Hello and welcome to the Tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray, and Roxanne Vaza. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. Just giving our listeners a heads up that this week I will have a very sexy voice. In terms of topics, we will cover a great start to 2016 for European and Israeli startups, followed by German fintech startup Oxmoney, which announced a Series D round. Tech.eu published a comprehensive report on funding for French tech startups in 2015, so we will take a brief look at that. Uh, Neil, you had a chance to catch up with Nils Hammer of Sweden-based company SaltSide, so we'll get to hear that. And finally, uh, France uh, held a big event at the Presidential Palace this last week to officially welcome foreign entrepreneurs to the country, so we will get a chance to discuss that as well. So first... Let's get started with the awesome start to European and Israeli startups in 2016. Combined, they raised 2.6 billion euros across 527 deals in just the first two months of the year. So this is huge. Uh, It's a really big increase from 2015. I think it's literally 158% growth for the month of February. That's year on year. 98 of the 527 deals did actually, they did not disclose funding amounts, which means the actual amount raised is well over 2.6 billion. In 2015, the whole of Europe raised 1,517 rounds or different deals, which means that in the first two months of 2016, Europe has already completed one third of last year's deals. That's really not very bad. No, and it's in big contrast to the narrative that's often in the media recently, how there's this big slowdown, you know, no one's investing, everyone's kind of worried that the bubble is going to burst. And that's really the narrative that the media has been hammering home over the last couple of months. And this is in complete contrast to that, and actually is more in line with what I'm seeing, definitely in the Nordics as well. And actually, Matamark, who covered the US, they actually reported that, you know, 2016 was actually slightly up on 2015 in the US as well. So it's quite weird that those that are looking at statistic or those that are looking at funding can clearly see that it's actually not slowing down. So it's not only just the no knock-on from the US yet, it doesn't actually seem to be happening in the US either in terms of the number of investments or the money that's going in. Where I think that the media are kind of getting the, the picture confused or where the whole picture is getting confused is kind of differentiating between some companies that are having some trouble, some bigger kind of unicorn companies that are, you know, being marked down because they were overvalued in the first place, compared to is the money still coming in? You know, these are two very different things. So just because some companies are being marked down because they were overvalued, doesn't mean that investment is slowing down, which I think often gets lost in the narrative. So yeah, I mean, it's really great to see Europe is definitely still an ecosystem on the rise when it comes to funding and investment. Yeah, and I think what's also great to see is early stage deals made up a lot, actually, of the different deals that were closed. So deals that were up to 5 million euros make up 316 of the 527 deals. That is huge. And the biggest increase that took place was actually in the pre-seed level. Location-wise, I found this really interesting. In terms of number of deals, France was in the lead with 97 compared to 86 in the UK, 69 in Germany, 
46 in Israel. Obviously, that's not the same when we look at the amount raised. UK is ahead with 869 million euros, followed by Israel, France and Germany, respectively. Germany actually experienced a year-on-year decrease of 75%, which may be due to some of the large rounds that were closed in 2015, like HelloFresh and Delivery Hero. Other notable countries in the top 10, probably really unexpected, Denmark and Switzerland. In terms of the top deals, I guess we kind of ranked them all. Scotland's Skyscanner and France's Deezer were the top two rounds uh, with their massive rounds of funding that were announced earlier this year. Switzerland's Mind Maze came in third. In terms of vertical, looks like fintech is still one of the favorites with 66 of the deals taking place in the fintech space. And security also did very well. Six of the eight security deals, over 10 million, were based in Israel. I guess that's not really surprising. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that was surprising definitely was the fact that France had the most investments in 2016. I definitely didn't see that coming. I'm really, really surprised that they recorded more from UK and Germany. To be honest, I felt that if any country was going to challenge UK and Germany in the next year or so for investment, I thought that would be Sweden, not France. I mean, France have been someone who have been kind of there and thereabouts, have always kind of been below UK, Germany and Israel, and have been in that position for a couple of years if they were going to push on, I would have expected them to kind of do that already. But it really seems now that there's some strong momentum in in terms of investment into the French scene. And we'll dig a little bit more in the rest of the podcast. And well, I mean, the the thing that wasn't surprising was fintech being the most popular. Fintech took about 10, 15% of the investment that came into Europe last year, easily the biggest vertical in Europe right now. We're actually going to have a um, report on fintech coming out in the next week or so. So do look out for that. But yeah, fintech continues to be kind of Europe's jewel in the crown. Yeah, definitely surprised about France as well. But I think given what we've been seeing locally, that's definitely not surprising. So we will talk about that shortly. But now Germany may have a deal that will place it high in the future European rankings. Dusseldorf-based fintech company Oxmoney has raised a large Series D round with previous investors like Index, Union Square, and Foundation Capital, but also Seven Ventures, which is the investment arm of German media group Pro Siebensat One. I'm totally saying that wrong. Sorry to our German-speaking listeners. The company is an online credit marketplace, and it tripled the number of deals it did in 2015 to 100 million euros. The amount of funding it raised was not disclosed, but it's being called double-digit millions. Sounds a bit suspicious. The company has apparently already raised a 16 million B round in 2014. Last round it raised was a 150 million round in October 2015. So this actually strikes me as very odd if they're only raising double digit millions now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a natural cynic as well, right? So whenever I see a kind of undisclosed big round, my suspicions naturally get raised as to kind of why that is. Like you say, it is odd, you know, 16 million 2014, then 150 in 2015 in October. I mean, it it could be the fact that they just didn't, it's, it's clearly double digits so it's clearly less than they raised last time they only raised at the end of last year 150 so it could be that they kind of just needed or just used the opportunity now to raise money rather than needed it so it could have just been an opportune raise but yeah i mean whenever a round is undisclosed when it's previously been disclosed and it's a series d and it's a you know class as a large series d but then isn't kind of 
the figure as a given. I think, yeah, I mean, like I say, I'm a natural cynic as well. But as far as my understanding is, it is a company which is doing quite well. And it's definitely kind of one of Europe's more established fintech companies now. Yeah, and I think it's also worth noting that Seven Ventures, even though I'd never heard of them before, is also an investor in companies like Jawbone and Zalando. So definitely somebody that people should have on their radar. Tech.eu's latest funding report is available and on French funding for 2015. So just take a look. We're not going to go over the entire report, but some of the key points. Over 960 million euros were raised by French tech startups in 2015. That is across 116 deals. Some of the top verticals included enterprise SaaS, e-commerce, and hardware. In terms of foreign investors, by number of deals, France actually attracted the most funding from the U.S., so that's very interesting. And as for geography, France actually has a number of different tech hubs throughout the country. It's not all in Paris, but actually the capital naturally ranked first and Toulouse uh, second. The biggest deals that were closed were Blablacar and Sigfox. They represented almost one third of the capital raised. So that's just a little bit of uh, what the report includes. You can purchase the full report on tech.eu, which includes more detailed analysis, notable funding rounds, a look at top investors and upcoming startups to watch and more. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting report, actually. And I mean, and it's very timely considering what we're, what we're discussing. I think one of the things that's clear in the report as well is kind of the momentum in France is now happening in terms of investment. And it's kind of raised going up and up throughout 2015 and into 2016. So clearly, this is like an ecosystem now that we need to, to watch more when it comes to being able to raise these bigger rounds. I mean, like I said before, I kind of felt that kind of, I mean, maybe a little ignorant of me, but I felt that kind of France was just kind of muddling along and was kind of one of these ecosystems which was doing really, really well. It was able to attract big investment, but it wasn't really kind of pushing on or growing necessarily. But clearly from this report and clearly what we're seeing in 2016 is that this is definitely an ecosystem which is growing in terms of investment. So definitely one to watch. Yeah, I think we are even going to come to more advancements in the French tech scene towards the end of the podcast. But now, um, this past week, Neil had a chance to catch up with one of Skype's early employees and the founder and CEO of Sweden-based startup Saltside. So that's Nils Hammer. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Yeah, as well as I can, at least. So that's fine. Yeah, and uh, it was an interesting chat with him, actually, which you'll get to listen to in a second. I just thought I'd also mention as well, which didn't get recorded. But as Nils was one of the first employees of Skype, I thought I would ask him, as we've discussed on this podcast before, you know, where is Skype from? It's a really confusing. No one really knows, not even the people who are there. I can never kind of uh, drill down on a country. But what's interesting is Nils is Swedish. So I assumed he was going to say Sweden, but he said Skype was all about the product and a product was built in Estonia. So he would have gone for Estonia with an international flavor. So I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, let's hear uh, what he had to say about what Saltside was and kind of what's next for them. It's a very interesting company. Hi, Niels. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Could you just give us a quick introduction to, to what Saltside is? Yeah, Saltside is about building online marketplaces in, in frontier markets. And uh, we have uh, operations and sites in four markets at the moment. West Africa and South Asia is our focus. So we run um, Efretin in Nigeria. We have Tonaton in Ghana. We have Ikman in Sri Lanka. And we have Bikroy in, um, in Bangladesh. 
Okay. Uh, how did the, the idea come about? Did you think about emerging markets first and then think about what you could do there? Or, you know, what was the thought process behind SaltSide originally? Well, it was actually a kind of a joint venture between myself and, and Shinevik at that stage where we sat down and we talked about interesting business models and interesting ideas that, that could be done where they weren't available at the moment. So both classifieds and, and a, a bunch of other ideas came up during that process. But we, uh, they like classifieds a lot, and I, I really like it from my personal perspective as well. So we decided to do uh, classifieds, or marketplaces, maybe a better word. Because the thing with, with online classifieds is that it works really well in, uh, in these kind of frontier markets, where the infrastructure for e-commerce is still weak. So if you go to Bangladesh, it's hard to find a reliable delivery company or a payment provider. And traffic is a huge issue in these markets. So if you can build local marketplaces where people don't have to travel that much to do uh, transactions and you can pay offline as you do when you do a classified model, it's, it's pretty powerful. And so that's, that's why it kind of suited to these kind of markets. And from my perspective, I really like uh, that we as a company, SoulSide, we can take high-tech, yeah, I don't find a better word, but you can take quality software and quality business practices to markets where uh, most people might not look at otherwise. As a company, we, we, we actually bring a lot of value to these markets in terms of having a solid platform and uh, a nice way of doing business. And personally, I'm very attracted by that. So how do you choose the countries? What's the process in terms of looking at what markets are kind of ripe for a solution like this? Well, we look at um, pretty traditional kind of metrics to evaluate the countries, such as you look at what is the GDP growth, what is the internet penetration, and obviously what is the com competitive situation in terms of um, both from a horizontal players and vertical players and e-commerce players. And uh, all of that kind of combined gives you an idea about where to go. And uh, for us, West Africa and South Asia is very interesting because they kind of share a couple of um, characteristics in, in the sense that very big populations and uh, populations that are growing very quickly. I mean, if you look at Nigeria, by 2050, it's going to be the, I mean, the third biggest market in the world in terms of population. That's huge, right? Yeah. And, um, but also Bangladesh, you know, Bangladesh today has 150 million people, a lot of them young people. And if you look forward, maybe not three years, but, but 30 years, you will uh, see a very different world. And um, as internet penetration grows, population grows, GDP per capita, I mean, income growth, uh, these markets is going to be very attractive, or they are going to be very attractive. So um, that's kind of our, our approach. Cool. So in terms of what markets are next, it's likely to be kind of West Africa, South Asia, that those sort of areas. I mean, you, you're in four at the moment, Bangladesh, Ghana, Nigeria, Sri Lanka. You've been in those four for quite some time. So when do you see the next countries that you will target or are you kind of happy with just growing in these four right now? So it's pretty hard doing four markets at yeah. the same time. <laughs> but uh, and I think we're pretty happy with them because... It's 400 million people. That's a big chunk of uh, market to try to win. And uh, and I'm not. I mean, I'm not a big fan of this approach where you go you go very wide and you you launch in 20 markets and you see what sticks. 
I've done it personally previously, my kind of entrepreneurial career, and I've never, almost never seen it working. It's super hard, right? Because even if you want to do one market, if you're going to do that well, and you actually want to provide a lot of value and a, and a, and a really strong product, uh, it's hard. You can't do that by just uh, sitting in a desktop uh, office or in, a, on a, in an office somewhere and, and uh, launch it remotely. I don't believe in that model. But obviously some people do and uh, it might work for them. For me, it doesn't work. I think as a company, we, we talk about trying to serve underserved markets. And there's a lot of markets in the world that are underserved. So I'm pretty open for uh, at some stage to look at, I could even look at, you know, Europe, you know, if, yep. if there's an opportunity in Europe where we can go and do something good, I would, I would definitely uh, at some stage consider it. Cool. So if uh, markets are not necessarily the, you know, new markets aren't necessarily what you will focus on next, what can we expect uh, from SaltSide in the next 12 months? Well, we are building um, multiple verticals in each of these markets. So it's not, it's not like we're doing uh, a kind of consumer-to-consumer online classified play. It's a bit more um, ambitious, I guess you could say, than that. Because our approach and what we have achieved so far is a lot about winning the verticals. So if you take Sri Lanka as an example, uh, we are today the biggest uh, classified site where you buy and sell secondhand stuff, but we're also the biggest car site by far, both for private persons and, and dealers. And we're the biggest property site by far, both for uh, in, uh, individuals and for dealers. And we're also doing pretty well in the jobs vertical. So for me, it's more about really making sure that we're dominating these verticals and, uh, and maybe add, you know, going back to your previous question about expansion, maybe add a uh, uh, something more exciting in that mix when it comes to covering more verticals in, in our existing markets. And um, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about building products and operations that, that can really be world-class in the vertical space as well as in the horizontal space. Uh, cool. So, yeah, potentially new markets, already in four markets. Uh, like you say, that's that's quite a lot to take on already. And then going into, I mean, you know, those verticals are huge, jobs, cars, etc. So, yeah, I can certainly see you've got a, a busy 12 months ahead of you. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. thanks for joining us, Niels. My pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks, Neil. And now, finally, for our last topic, it was a big week in France last week, especially for foreign entrepreneurs who were welcomed to Elysée, the presidential palace. France, which has perhaps long been regarded as somewhat difficult for foreign talent, is going huge lengths to make changes. So the government funded La French Tech, uh, the essentially French equivalent of Tech City UK, officially launched a program for foreign entrepreneurs having selected 50 teams of 23 different nationalities for the first program. The program is known as the French Tech Ticket. It's actually a very comprehensive program. I was a bit surprised that it's not just throwing visas their way. It's going actually quite a bit further. The program provides funding of up to 25,000 euros for teams. Visas, obviously, administrative assistance, incubator space, so they're actually placing them in different French incubators alongside uh, local startups, mentorship, and more for the one-year program. I have to say I was really very impressed by the startups that were picked. They come from all over the world, Chile, Russia, 
Israel, the U.S., you know, really just everywhere. One that, that I really especially liked is an Israeli startup called Tidor, which specializes in 3D printing for the construction space. And another one that is um, getting a lot of attention is a startup that specializes in diamond-based water purification. So we have some really solid tech companies taking part in the program. And I think, quite frankly, this is going to have a huge impact on France. The president announced that there will be many additional changes to follow in order to bring more foreign talent to France. But I think this is really a terrific start with the French tech ticket. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that stood out for me from it was one that the president was there, which shows that it's uh, at least, you know, I mean, I don't know how how kind of how much uh, President Hollande uh, knows about startups, but to, to be there and to be present is a strong sign of how serious it's being taken. So I was very um, kind of pleasantly surprised by his presence there. Uh, so that also kind of puts some kind of validation uh, towards how serious it is and, and kind of what France is thinking in, in terms of attracting entrepreneurship. So I was impressed by that. Uh, the other thing I was impressed by was actually what you said was about the program being comprehensive. Because one thing I've been critical over at Tech City and other such initiatives, especially in Denmark, is that I feel that they don't offer enough. They feel like by yeah throwing a visa, that then that will just attract talent. But what they don't realize is you kind of have to fight for talent. You can't just make it easier. Uh, you also have to kind of fight for talent. And, and as such, you need to have a more attractive program if you want something like this to work. You can't just announce something or make it easier and expect people to come you have to go out there and attract those people as well so i was very impressed in terms of the the comprehensive nature as you say but it's not just visa it's also funding administrative assistance which is extremely important for attracting foreign talent space mentorship it reminded me more like of startup chile which i think is the the best international program out there so yeah i i definitely kind of was was very impressed with in terms of the details and i guess the other thing i mean if i haven't learned benefit on this podcast apart from the fact you have a sexy voice when you're ill that france is seriously on the up i've learned on this podcast that france is on the up i'm really kind of pleasantly uh, surprised yeah and i think like i mentioned the the government is really going lengths to make these changes they're really listening to what the ecosystem needs and i think the reason that they approached the french tech ticket so differently from what we're seeing elsewhere which is really just a visa in yeah, many other exactly. countries. I think they, they recognize that being a foreign entrepreneur in France is not at all like being a foreign entrepreneur in the UK, potentially not at all like being a foreign entrepreneur in Denmark. I mean, there are some barriers that you have here. You have to, you know, speak French. I think having a network here is potentially much more difficult for people who've never worked here. And they're recognizing that and really trying to take the blocks out. So um, we'll be really interested to see how it goes for this first batch of startups selected. And I know next year, today, they've kind of centralized all the startups in Paris for the first edition. They'll be extending it to other tech hubs in France next year. So definitely a program people should keep their eye on. And for all, I get contacted by so many foreigners every year that want to come to France. They don't know how, they don't know what visa. Well, now this is a really terrific option for them. Yeah, I, I would definitely be interested to kind of hear what's happened, you know, one year down the line, how many people came in, what it was like for them. I think this is the type of program that it does look great when it's announced, but like the, the proof is in the pudding. So I think we should revisit this in the in the future and kind of see how well the program has done. But certainly it sounds very, very promising for the French scene. 
And that's it for this week. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, and obviously subscribe to all of them or none of them. But at the very least, do leave us a rating and a review that helps other people find the podcast and hear what's going on in the European scene. We're on Twitter at Neil SW Murray, at Roxanne Vaza, at tech underscore EU. So please do give us your feedback and your opinion on the, the topics that we've covered today. And the website clearly is tech.com. But that's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Roxanne. Thanks, Neil.